0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the WLG Discussion Lab podcast, a platform initiated by Wailing Gallery, where we share insights and hold conversations surrounding contemporary art. Hi everyone, welcome back to the WLG podcast. This is the second chapter of our podcast series on Malaysian contemporary artist Ivan Lam's journey. If you haven't had the chance to, feel free to listen to the introduction in the first episode to understand about his early practice. Today, our gallery director Lim Weiling will once again chat with Ivan about a significant shift in his practice in which he adopted the technique of painting after years of exploring other mediums such as silkscreen and lightbox installations. You will hear from the artist himself on how his practice of silkscreen influenced the way he paints. You will also learn about some of his major works, including the massive portrait work called The First Traculant Argument Between the Aloof Gaze and the Astute Disposition, done in 2007. Without waiting any longer, let's hear from Ivan and Wailing.
1: So the next phase was a really important period for Ivan, and um, it was the beginning of him using paint again to actually put... Paint on a brush, onto well, is it on a brush, yeah, mm. well, on a brush, um, onto a canvas. Something which was all new for him. So, Ivan, can you just tell us a little bit more about this? I mean, it was a whole, it was a good few years of mm. exploration into the painting and learning how to paint, work with a brand new material and a new technique.
2: Um, so, I took a break um, from silk screening. And was on to the next thing. I always wanted to paint. I haven't painted for the longest time, I think. You know, dealing. and it was pure um, painting, sitting down with your brushes and your usual. Um, I started using house paints. The introduction of the new material was very exciting. Um, the reason, the first economical reason that I use house painting because I can cover a lot of ground just to paint the, the background or just to prime the the canvas. And little did I know, I went through, I went to this rabbit hole that, you know, it has almost like 3,652 colors to pick from and when you go into an art shop you can only get maximum 50 to 60 overcolors, mm. acrylic or oil paint so at that right, what's going on? why don't I just get a whole can of 1 litre and I can get thousands of it and to mix that paint they can almost get it almost 99% accuracy that if you run out of that particular rate you just need to key in the code and you can get another can, which is exactly one. So there's no way a human can do it if you would mix it yourself Self, physically. Manually. Yep, manually yep. to get rid it. So I thought, you know, this is the joy of, of machine. The machine age have taken over. Yet the end of the, the, the thing is it, it's still materials. It's still a medium, but your hands need to still make it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, of course. Mm. No, so, I mean, it was synthetic house paint
1: as synthetic well. Synthetic house paint, correct. And I remember that point was it nippon paint yes it was, yes, right it, time, it was
2: like, nippon okay. paint um so i was exclusively using a lot of those paints i think i'm the only one that you know go to a paint shop and could have like 40 and 60 colors and they will always laugh at me and say do you do you do you paint kindergarten every <laughs> other day because no one in their sane mind right, would use the colors that you use because mostly people buy grays browns blues those you know, this really normal color but they won't use bright pink but after that, we become fast friends and um, they understand the process of well, getting a similar paint, getting, oh, I want to try every single paint. It's like going to a, a candy store. So learning to paint was a big deal and it was jumping straight in the deep end. I think that series was called what, after, after All, all this, These Years. Yeah. Yes, After All These Years of Not Painting. So that was the, <laughs> the impetus of that, that title. Yes. Um, sitting down and have huge canvases, eight by, I don't know how big I six by eight feet. And not knowing what you're doing, right? And then figure out, so it was like really painting by numbers yeah so getting the most complex pictures that you can find and then label every single so it was quite methodologically in in that way um that you when you don't know something right you want to learn step by step and step and step um till the end i think it was only comfortable after two and a half years later when the the series ended it's a long time i I remember that it was just physically um, quite challenging to finish a canvas in, in three to six months time so it took a long time to actually finish that series but I think towards the end, you can see the shift from the first one, the sushi, the sushi bar. What's the first one? Yeah, I remember. all the way down to the heavens, I think, right? Where, where the, the strokes become looser, the confident level um, came back. And, you know, I thought, wow, you know. And the background of that story was uh, this star-crossed lovers. So it was interweaving, you know, uh, your, what's going on in your life and also having this, um, this, this star-crossed love love stories like this rock rock opera that was going on as as a background and and painting like those Hollywood set where they paint huge um canvases and, and the actor and actresses were just behind it. So it was quite you know hitting a lot of milestones um on that particular series.
1: No, I remember that clearly. <laughs> I mean truly I remember uh yeah um visiting you yeah. when you had first completed the first work which is the sushi bar. Yeah. <clears throat> And it was reds, so I remember you told me there were like 30, 30 over shades of it's red over, yeah. that were in there. And the interesting thing about the way it had been painted for Ivan was that just like he had made silkscreen, where with silkscreen you you lay, you put paint next to each other, mm-hmm. but you never, you, you don't really lay, you don't ever cross, it never crosses over. It's always colour next to colour or colour on top of colour. So in the way Ivan started painting, it was quite similar to the way he had been making the silk screens all those years for all those years, but as you said correctly, towards the end when you look at the work called Heaven and Home, and you look at the way the skies open up, you know those broad brushstrokes, you can really see that over the two and a half years, your technique, sort of, you know your your confidence level just opened up, right? And you can see you can really see that in those works, and I think from there, <clears throat> Ivan then moved into the panorama series, mm. um, which were all, again, paintings. But um, in that, in the, I will not go into great detail with those. But basically, um, in those paintings, you will see um, that they're all panoramic and they were all, again, painted with the pain But um, it, they were also of Malaysian everyday scenes. Mm. Right? Yeah. You want to just expand a little bit about that? Mm.
2: I think after gaining that confidence and painting with abandonment, right? So you want to look for the next subject matter that you can paint because you already have this um, this feather in your cap or this this little weapon in your your whole arsenal. And I was really looking out, you know, how people perceive work because when we look at a certain work, you know, our eye, we have about almost 127 degrees of whiteness. And I want to capture that, right, when you look at a, a particular scene um, that that interests you, how do how does how do our eye actually pans from left to right? And to give them that now we have phones that does that, you know, we can switch pictures and pictures and, and, and make that back then, you know, it's like you could do it um, manually. Mm. We don't have that function of, of, of teaching <clears> it <throat> and we constantly could to our head to do it. Um so that was the exploration of of getting the subject matter down and it was like daily scenes of scenes that are that are common. I mean. mm. So it wasn't so much about you know having having uh, a huge uh, big um, grandiose idea about it, but actually painting things that are closer to heart, things that you see every day, things that could relate to any anybody. I mm,
1: think. Mm. Yeah, and also a commentary about the social structure of where uh-huh. Malaysia was at at that time. Correct. A lot of building, a lot of development. You see, mm-hmm. car, a lot of traffic jams. There was a piling machine. I remember, you know. Yeah, you know. Um, yeah, <clears throat> I remember that, so there were really a lot of very sort of seminal pieces in that body of work, mm. and then I recall now actually the 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 two major pieces that you did were of those faces um, and again, I remember you said you were you wanted to paint the woman 's face and the man 's face yep. and the titles escape me, but they will be on the paintings that you're mm. seeing now. Can you just tell, just talk a little bit about those two faces because yeah, they, they, they were huge. Cubes, yeah. I mean, those faces were something <laughs> like, I don't know, 2.4 point, two point meters yeah. height. or Something like that.
2: Mm, all right. So it's always finding new things to do. I mean, I never specifically zero on on faces. So again, uh, jumping to the deep end of things, right? How do you want to learn something um, good? So you, you find the biggest. I, I got Eiffel Chong, which is a very famous photographer himself um, to pose and we start you know going to the, the dark room and, and then figuring out what's the best way to get from a photograph of himself uh, and then making it into a huge um, painting and the only thing difference is I totally took away colors because I was using it quite crazily like I have thousands of colors so I thought why don't we just do some black and white work you know totally flip the script and you know we just have a range of um, 12 um, gradient of, of grays or black to white and let you see how you work with that. Um and it was done. I think the, the thing with painting portraits or portraits of people, right? You cannot help because you have known this pe- this this person for X amount of time. And you any little thing that you detect that's slightly <clears throat> off a degree, right, you will know that well, what happened to your nose, what happened to your eyes, right? So it's really getting into the accuracy of of uh, the 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 eyelashes, the, the the smile of the lips, right? And it's so different. And it becomes quite personal. I think when you, when you have an eyeball that's as big as your face looking back, and you constantly got to step back um, to check measurements. So it, it's a bit of that you want to get close to pain, but yet you want to stay mm. far away to get mm. the accuracy down. So that came, Eiffel came first, and then we, we want to have a, a yin and yang to that, yeah. and then <clears> the, the female version of this, which is also another colleague of mine. Um, so to juxtapose um, two of those works together.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, we hope that you enjoyed the conversation between Wei Ling and Ivan on such an important phase of his artistic journey in which he focused in the practice of painting. To learn more about the evolution of the artist's practice and how he first adopted resin as a material that his work is known for until today, tune in into our next episode. See you! <laughs> Thank you for listening to our podcast. On our next episodes, we will be sharing more topics related to art and collecting. So be sure to follow us to find out more. See you!